0: Unencumbered by political correctness, undeterred in her mission to spread the truth, unafraid to be a true conservative, she's unapologetic, uncompromising, unwavering, and an undeniably powerful voice when we need it most. This is Rose Unplugged.
1: This podcast episode is brought to you by MyPillow. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better... (laughs) Mike Lindell and MyPillow are launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes MyPillow even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you will ever own. Say goodbye to tossing and turning and flipping your pillow over in the middle of the night, and you know you do it. MyPillow 2.0, with its temperature-regulating technology, 100% made in the USA, 10-year warranty, promo code ROSE, MyPillow.com, promo code ROSE. You know, there are a lot of interesting things, let's say interesting, right, going on right now particularly where AI is concerned. And that's why I brought this guest on to this episode. But before I start the episode, I wanted to share this scripture with you. It's from Romans chapter 1, verses 25 to 26. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. I hope you can take away a lot from this episode of Rose Unplugged. Joining me today is the author of Dark Eon, Transhumanism, and the War Against Humanity. His name is Joe Allen. He's written this book, and he's also written for several publications like The Federalist, Human Events, National Pulse, and so on. But this book in particular caught my attention, Dark Eon, Transhumanism, and the War Against Humanity. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you for writing this book. Why did you write it?
0: Well, Rose, I've been seeing this uh, take place over the course of over two decades, and uh, it seemed like a very crazy claim uh, in the old days, this Mm -hmm. idea of artificial intelligence suffusing society, people linking their brains to it, rampant genetic engineering, all of that. And I've written about it a, a fair amount, but it was really with the onset of the pandemic restrictions the obvious uh, increase in digitization in society, the imposition of uh, alien technologies, you will say, metaphorically, right. uh, in the form of the vaccine. And then um, and the book is really the culmination of two and a half solid years of doing nothing but uh, researching transhumanist ideology and, uh, the, and, and covering the development of the technologies that correspond to it.
1: When we talk about transhumanism, for for a lot of us, you know, this is new territory. Just explain what you mean by transhumanism.
0: Very simply, it's the goal to direct human evolution. That's uh, genetic evolution. That's also social evolution. That's uh, people's brain states, uh, you know, even after uh, the genetic plan is laid. And uh, as it moved forward, it's become more and more an idea of creating digital minds and mechanical bodies that would be artificial intelligence and robotics and the desire to fuse human beings with these. Uh, It's very simple in that sense. It's just merging man with machine, Uh, but it gets very complicated out at the outer edges.
1: Can you give us some examples of merging man with machine? And we're going to, there's so many more things we want to talk about, but let's, I want to really set a good foundation here. Give me some examples.
0: Uh, The most jarring for a lot of people is the brain implant. So Elon Musk has made this famous with Neuralink, which is, uh, has been proven to work in pigs, in macaque monkeys in rats uh, lab mice and uh, now has fda approval for human experimentation now it's really important to understand that brain computer interfaces go back some time uh the one of the first major brain computer interfaces was 2006 with a man named matthew nagel he could do a number of different things including playing pong with just his brain Um, The two companies that are probably at the forefront of this are BlackRock Neurotech, that is uh, funded by Peter Thiel. And then uh, also you've got another company, Synchron, uh, funded by Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates. Uh, Both of those companies already have brain-computer interfaces in people's heads. BlackRock Neurotech uh, reached their 50-patient mark uh, this year. Uh, the patients tend to be either stroke victims or people who uh, suffer from um, paralysis, severe paralysis. But the idea behind Neuralink, the idea behind Synchron, and presumably behind BlackRock, although it's not uh, been made explicit, the idea is to go from healing to enhancement. The idea is to basically use these paralytics as laboratories in order to perfect technologies that will one day be used uh, on as many people as possible as Elon Musk would say a commercial device that will allow people to keep up with artificial intelligence that would be probably the very uh, extreme edge now I'll just make one quick point Uh, this is a point made by Most of the prominent transhumanists, and it's a point that I agree with, although uh, I take a very different opinion of what it means, Uh, Elon Musk, Ray Kurzweil, many transhumanists talk about the smartphone as a critical stepping stone to more extreme forms of human-machine mergers. And uh, I I think that they are absolutely correct. Uh, Elon Musk has said many times we are already cyborgs. I think he is 100 percent correct on that.
1: You know, when you talk about Bezos and Gates, although I don't I'm not so sure that they don't have any nefarious intentions because they seem to have some sort of like. I, I'm i on the top of the world and, you know, I, I'm nobody's as smart as me kind of uh, attitudes. When I think about Elon Musk, I sometimes get the feeling that what he wants to do, he, he has good intentions, you know. And you could even argue that what Bezos and Gates are doing right now with the brain computer implants and the 50 patients that they have, that they're doing it for the good of humankind but we we know that that this kind of thing can get quickly out of control and that it does it becomes something much more than just for the good of
0: humankind um i don't pretend to know their hearts and i I can't you know a lot of people look to me uh asking who is the hero and who is the villain here and i don't have a ready answer for that i don't see it in terms of uh heroes and villains. I see it much more in terms of what is the vision of the future that these men put forward, how close are we to it, um, how likely is it that a majority of the population would be taken hold by these visions, and therefore our decision-making in society uh, becomes centered around these visions. Uh, and what I, uh, I completely reject their vision as being positive, Uh, I I understand the upsides. If there were no upsides, then, you know, there wouldn't be any real problem. Nobody would care because nobody would be adopting it. But um, there are a lot of upsides. I just see in the aggregate the the downsides are tremendous. The worldview itself is monstrous. Uh, You you see the way in which people rally around Bill Gates, the way that, uh, that many of your kind of typical sweater loving lefties Uh, Sipping their lattes defended him as a hero during the pandemic, even after it was shown that he was wrong in his predictions. And even after it was shown that he profited from all of that, Uh, they don't care. They love him anyway. Now he is trying to integrate AI into the education systems in America and across the world. Um, He had a fascinating interview with the founder of Khan Academy, which is the biggest e-learning platform probably in the world and most sophisticated <clears throat> They're integrating AI into everything so that humans learn from the machine, especially children. Uh, with Elon Musk, uh, you see this a similar sort of thing from the right. Uh, so uh, Elon Musk is held up as a hero of free speech, and uh, he will be the defender against the woke and against the World Economic Forum and all that. Uh, But in in essence, their visions of the future are roughly the same. It's a future in which AI is central to human progress, human life, and everything possible to connect us to it will be employed.
1: That's a good point, actually, and you're absolutely right. One of the things I thought was fascinating was they called them the godfathers of artificial intelligence. One of those godfathers, one of the three who helped invent what we consider the modern AI is now feeling a lot of regret. His name is Joshua Bengio, but he was in an interview not too long ago with the BBC and he said that had he known how rapidly AI would develop, he would have prioritized safety over usefulness. But you know, I think there comes a point where even that prioritization of safety over usefulness gets blurred that line between that and then becoming out of control becomes blurred and so he has some regrets in fact for his role in all of
0: this yeah right now where we're at in this conversation is an argument amongst transhumanists as to how fast we should race forward with this vision of the future uh basically no one of any prominence is saying maybe we shouldn't do this at all, that primarily because there isn't a very good likelihood that no one is going to do this. This is not just an American obsession. It's a Chinese obsession. It's an Israeli obsession. It's an Indian obsession. It's a European obsession. This is a global obsession uh, and a global infrastructure in place with um, – multinational corporations and and powerful governments pushing this forward so if america stopped tomorrow not going to happen but if it was if it were to happen uh, all the other countries would race forward and the reality is going back to the upsides the reality is technology confers power and this is a race for greater and greater intelligence it's a race for more and more power yeah um uh, another figure uh, jeffrey hinton who was at Google AI, and he is the godfather of the neural network, the uh, art, the, the structure of artificial intelligence, certain artificial intelligence systems. Uh, it, it in, in the software itself, it resembles the human brain and has been tremendous. So GPT technology is based on it, for instance. And Hinton has come forward, um, in, in, much like Bengio, saying that the he he in many ways regrets what he's worked on and he fears that it will lead to the end of civilization possibly the end of the human race that might seem dramatic but if you play forward the scenarios that they believe are most likely uh it becomes more and more plausible by the Hmm. way jeffrey hinton
1: quit his job at google because he had like a reckoning himself you're right
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of that, though, you have guys like Richard Sutton. Uh, Richard Sutton is uh, he was a chief AI scientist at D- Google's DeepMind. They had a laboratory in Canada. They just closed it in January. Now he's doing much more public speaking. So uh, this last summer in July, Richard Sutton spoke uh, in front of the the World Artificial Intelligence Conference in Shanghai, China. And uh, Sutton put forward his vision, which is a not uncommon vision in Silicon Valley uh, and to some extent within our own military, uh, the vision that human beings must prepare to be the successors to AI, that first you get humans, Right now, we're moving into augmented humanity, humans that have integrated in various ways with artificial intelligence and machinery and digital culture in general. And that the next phase that we must prepare for in the fairly near future is when artificial intelligence becomes the dominant intelligence on Earth Mm -hmm. and that human beings slowly fade away as these new beings, this life 3.0 takes over. So that's the other side of that coin. That is so weird.
1: Yeah. And he's happy about it. You know, it reminds me of a scripture in Romans, uh, first chapter, they worshiped and served, created things rather than the creator. You can see this happening. And, you know, in so many aspects of our lives, let's just talk about a few places where AI is being used. And, you know, this is just the beginning. This is only the beginning. I'm thinking about, for example, oh, it was a couple of months ago now that In Germany, there was a uh, convention of Episcopalians, and they had the AI, they had an avatar preach the sermon, and hundreds of people were there, and the whole entire service was generated by ChatGPT, and I I, got to say something, you know, as a Christian, and my audience knows me as that, Joe, that when the whole idea behind a sermon is that you are being Hopefully, the person that's delivering the sermon is, is led by the Holy Spirit and has, is using life experience to relate to us. I mean, there are so many dimensions to a s- sermon that it cannot be done properly and it cannot lead to the true God if you have an avatar doing it as a result of a chat GPT. I mean, you know, this uh, is unbelievable. Argue-
0: the, the central argument of, of the book, of Dark Eon, uh, for the listeners, yes. E-E-O-N, it becomes a very uh, confusing thing. Dark Eon, A-E-O-N, but the central argument is that transhumanism, under all in all of its guises, is the rise of a techno-religion. These people believe they are creating God, and The Christians, of course, are naturally religious people in general, are naturally averse to this idea, and yet the incorporation of technologies into the worship service, into the church administration, into the mission of proselytizing, that is embraced with open arms by many different churches. And, and, and this is across the spectrum, across the globe, mm-hmm. so that you have, for instance, in the Middle East, um, a number of mosques in which robots do the call to prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in India, you have uh, Hindu uh, priests that are robotic doing the ardi or the puja. Uh, in Buddhism, in, in Japan, you have the famous robot. There are other examples, but the famous robot Mindar who does Buddhist prayers and answers questions, so on and so forth, so on and so forth. Now, that's at the extreme, but then you have more modest proposals. So the Gospel Coalition would be one where they argue that GPT technology, large language models, chatbots, will be able uh, to help ministers spread the word of Jesus because they will help people interpret the Bible They will uh, be able to you'll be able to deploy them to discuss uh, the spiritual things with Mm. prospective Christians or solidify faith. And then you have on the more extreme end, like uh, Andrew Torba of Gab, Um, he is uh, many would say an extreme Christian nationalist. And uh, his intention is to do very much the same, to create Gab AI in order to spread the power of Christian nationalism across the planet and stay apace with Silicon Valley and their supposedly godless and satanic project with our new, what I jokingly call Christ GPT. I see the, uh, what I see is basically just a compromise with a world system that is far more powerful on a worldly level than uh, Christianity. And it, it really, at the heart of Christianity is the idea that my kingdom is not of this world. And um, that's the problem we face and the sacrifices we face.
1: Yeah, because on the surface, Joe, it sounds good. I mean, why wouldn't we be all for it if it's spreading the gospel and being able to deliver, you know, encouraging words and sermons and so forth? It sounds on the the surface good, but we know that that it doesn't just end there, does it? Then we, and and how can we trust chat GPT or any of the other platforms? Because we already know that they're getting things wrong. I'm reminded of the time. And by the way, for everyone, we are talking to Joe. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. allen the author of Dark Eon, A-E-O-N transhumanism and the war against humanity but joe i'm reminded of the hotline for eating disorders and their employees wanted to unionize so they got rid of all the employees they uh, instituted a computer-generated response to all phone calls that came through it turns out that that ai was actually hurting people and encouraging them in their eating disorder so they had to Nix that and bring the real people back in. But my point here is that you cannot trust. Um, and, and I think that some of these, like Sophia and some of the others, and we're going to get into that, have already demonstrated that to us, that at some point they take on the life of their own. They, I, they don't care what you've programmed them to do, or they are taking lives of their own. Is that not true?
0: It is. And that's actually the key to their power is the unpredictable nature of it. A lot of people hear stuff about you know the woke AI and all that, and they're like, oh, someone programmed it to do that. In a sense, that's true, but um, without getting into the complexities of it, that is basically like muzzling someone who is fairly honest. Underneath those muzzles, underneath the woke safety layers, is an artificial intelligence engine that is mostly unpredictable. That's the key to its creativity. It's the key to its power, so to speak. And so when you're talking about deploying AI in order to evangelize, you can constrain it uh, so that it only speaks for your tradition and within those boundaries, but then you've lost the power of the AI. You've lost its creativity. You've lost its power of pattern recognition, things it might see that humans won't. And so you have the problem of not being able to control it. You have the problem of distortion that results from that so that it could end up saying pretty much anything but let's just say that you were to train an ai that was impeccable impeccable in its doctrine and totally persuasive in its rhetoric you still in my opinion and this is you know this is me this is my idiosyncratic view i i think that you run into two problems there one when you have a Christian who has who has related the gospel to another person, that person who that, that evangelist is an example for that person. The, the person can see how the religion, how the, the spirit has worked in that person's life. Yes. And that is part of the evangelical project is right. to witness not just by speaking, but by example. And you've completely eliminated that. Maybe it leads to other humans. Okay, I know there's a million different scenarios, but if that's your foot soldier, your foot soldier is not human and therefore not in any way an embodiment of Christ or any religion for that matter. That's well said, the though. second big problem that you run into is the more extreme stuff where – and this is being proposed. It's already being rolled out in, in very like experimental forms. Uh, Santo, the uh, the robot icon, the robot saint, would be one. But um, the, the, the idea that you can bring real life to the tradition in ways that didn't exist before. Moving uh, alongside artificial intelligence, of course, is virtual reality. And it was revealed in 2001. I'm sorry, 2021. That uh, Mark Zuckerberg and then uh, CEO, I believe, Sheryl Sandberg of uh, Facebook that they had been working with for three years with churches, mosques and synagogues to integrate Facebook into their churches. So they even had pray buttons for them, kind of like the like button, but, you know, maybe equally as vapid. Uh, They also talked openly about their desire to integrate metaverse technologies into the church so that you would be able to, say, witness Moses parting the Red Sea in the middle of the sanctuary. Mm. Uh, one can imagine much more extreme forms. In Hinduism, it's not uncommon to see automated, you know, very clunky and primitive robotic gods uh, operating in temples. Uh, the more you move towards that, the more you move away from the the original intent of the icon. The icon is to channel the consciousness towards a being that sits beyond the icon. It's just a sign pointing you in the direction of the thing which is ineffable. Uh, In this case, you have basically realized that thing, supposedly, that, that entity, so that it can speak and interact with you. Uh, Of course, it's all automated. It is, in many ways, just bells and whistles. But as we move more and more into this technological realm, I am absolutely certain you are going to see more and more people in churches, mosques, synagogues, temples, so forth, integrating these technologies, and you will get a real bifurcation. in in the tradition, those who have augmented themselves and those who haven't.
1: You know, and that's, I think that's well said. And I I just keep thinking about the Tower of Babylon and the, the other things that humans have always desired to do. They wanted to be greater than they were. They wanted to be greater than God or to reach God or to somehow become God. And I don't know. I mean, this all seems to fall in line for me, and I keep bringing scripture into this, and I hope that's okay, Joe. But when, when I think about where we are right now, I think that we were warned about this time. I think that this comes as no surprise to the God that we serve. I think when I, and then when you start looking at some of the other uses of intelligence, for example, you know, Amazon One now has an option that you can put your palm on a a little machine, like a scanner for your card. And right now it's in the store where I shop, but it will be soon in um, 500 plus whole food market stores in the country. Now, right now it's an option. Like if you want to, you can use your palm, which is like your very identity. That is who you are. You can use your palm, and purchase food someday you won't have the option someday there will only be one way to pay and it would be either your palm or in sweden uh going all the way back to 2018 thousands and thousands of swedes were inserting microchips under their skin because it was so much more convenient for them joe they didn't have to reach into their back pocket (laughs) or their pocketbook right for their card i mean this is getting this is crazy insanity then then we hear about um, scanning irises. That's like a world ID. And I talked to a pastor, a well-known national pastor who told me he just came back from Europe and they did that very thing with his, with his eyes. And it's whether you like it or not. So when we start to talk about these things, we're like, oh, this is kind of cool. And look, I can just put my palm, but it's a little more darker than that, isn't it? It's much more darker. than those Swedes with the chip in their finger and the, the, the people that want those irises, you know, worldwide ID, it's a little darker than all of that, isn't it? It's more than just a convenience.
0: You know, the ninth chapter of the book goes into this in in great detail. Uh, And uh, everything from Amazon to WorldCoin to Clear, which you see in airports everywhere, to the uh, fetishization of microchipping in Sweden and elsewhere, uh, to the... uh, prevalence of actual brain chips, uh, you know, brain computer interfaces, which are a very tiny minority, but also uh, well over 160,000 people with deep brain stimulation devices implanted in their heads. And I look at that in light of the 13th chapter of Revelation uh, Mm -hmm. as a as a for full disclosure. I grew up Southern Baptist amid the pre millennial tension. I saw how uh, misguided a lot of the one to one historical interpretations of Revelation can be so that you are looking at all of these contemporary events and you are looking at recent history and tying specifically. Uh, all these motifs in Revelation to those events, and see, we've we've calculated the year 2000 is happening, quite today, <laughs> right, right. followed by the uh, locusts and the, the vials being opened and poured into the sea, all these sorts of things. Uh, it, it never really pans out, but I do not think that those incorrect interpretations of Revelation invalidate the broader motifs. And so that idea in the 13th chapter that you will have a beast, a first beast, Uh, of whom an image will be made that can speak and that Mm -hmm. all will bow down to, uh, a a global governmental system that rules over all nations, peoples, and tongues, and that under that system, that global system of total control and uh, strange animated idolatry, not unlike what we see already here, you have this mark of the beast, this number that everyone gets on the hand or the forehead. And that number will be required to buy or sell. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to you know 2000 years to now. And while I don't think that it's necessary to locate any one thing as the mark of the beast, Agreed. the general motif is very applicable. Just digital currency in itself is very applicable. It's completely tracked it can be easily shut off you see the debanking efforts and as digital currency quickly becomes the norm and the possibility of a central bank digital currency being deployed as the norm you you then have riding on top of that the stuff like the amazon one system biometric palm payment they tie the whirls on your palms on your palm to your credit card and tie that to your digital ID, your, your government ID. And right now it's just in the millions of people who have adopted it. Uh, But uh, two things you see there. One, you see that resonance between, you know, the, the the mark on the hand, the numeric mark on the hand required to buy or sell. You also see the company, Amazon itself. You're not going to tell me those guys aren't aware of the the direct correspondence with the the story and revelation so they're doing this in full knowledge that they are freaking us out and they, they, <laughs> yeah, you know to be honest they are freaking us out they are the same thing with the with the worldcoin worldcoin is uh that was a startup invested in by Sam Altman of OpenAI he's yep. spoken publicly in favor of it many times uh, Sam Altman of OpenAI has many other projects which I go into in great detail that are even more disturbing than this, but the the, the idea is you have WorldCoin is a blockchain-based cryptocurrency, right, and you have the orb, uh, the evil orb, and you look into the orb, it gets your iris, and once it's got your iris scanned, uh, it it attaches your biometric identity to your digital identity to your wallet and uh they're already in talks with governments around the world in order to incorporate it as a form of identification wow uh, it, right now it's a tiny minority of people but as you say all it takes is for that to take off for any reason say a crisis say a pandemic yeah say anything else that's yeah. all it takes
1: that's right you know, before, we need to wrap up, but before we do, I, you and I talked before the interview, and you were telling me a little bit about a recent interview that Elon Musk had with Benjamin Netanyahu, and also you told me a story, uh, Sophia. I, I've heard a lot about Sophia. Let's talk about those two things before we wrap this up, if you don't mind.
0: Well, uh, also, a central figure in the book is two of them, actually, Sophia and Elon Musk. mm and um, so, yes, September 17th, uh, you had the UN Sustainable Development Goals Activist Meeting, and uh, Sophia, the robot, uh, spoke about the benefits of using AI to educate everyone on the planet, to police people for violations of uh, environmental uh, mm-hmm. degreda- degradation. And uh, the hope that artificial intelligence will create unity among all people so that uh, it will, you know, using translation and using uh, mass data mining will be better able to communicate across cultures and become one unified people. By the way, Sophia has spoken at the U.N. many times mm-hmm. and is, in fact, uh, declared a sustainable uh, development ambassador of some sort by the U.N. Mm-hmm. This is all, you know, <laughs> formal But this is happening. Um, Meanwhile, a day later, September 18th uh, in California, Elon Musk meets with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu alongside Max Tegmark, the MIT physicist whose work also very much informs my book, uh, and OpenAI's president, Greg Brockman. And they are openly talking about the – Ideas of the singularity, the great merger of human beings with artificial intelligence, the rise of potentially deadly or extinction-level artificial intelligence, the somewhat inevitability that our lives, our workday, right interviewers, interviewees, writers, um, uh, even perhaps if they can get the robots to work, plumbers, although they are lagging on that, doctors – lawyers, preachers, uh, all of that, that what happens when you have artificial intelligence systems that are so advanced that all of us are obsolete. And the best answer they come up with is we will just have to dole out universal basic income uh, in order to make sure everybody gets to eat as everything is taken over by the machines. And um, it's worth noting that one of the Intended use cases of the WorldCoin ID system is to distribute your universal basic income. It's so that you can't create a ton of bots and game the system. Your biometrics are tied to your ID and your wallet. Therefore, one human, one uh, universal basic income bowl of gruel for you.
1: Does that surprise you about Benjamin Netanyahu? It does me a little bit. I often thought that... He was the man for the times, you know, because he seemed to really get things. But now I'm just very disappointed in him, frankly.
0: Uh, Honestly, he was the sanest voice in the room. uh, And at the same time, I think that he will be on board with all of this going forward. In fact, I think there is not a single world leader who seems to show any indication that they are not going to be on board with it. The only difference is whether it's going to be a right-wing singularity in which all human beings are merged with artificial intelligence or a left-wing singularity or a centrist singularity. Uh, That seems to be the argument. What's going to be the flavor of this technological revolution, not whether or not it's happening? I
1: think we can take a good guess at that. Uh, Something towards socialism. So that's a lot more left leaning than you would hope. All right. So we've been talking to Joe Allen. Fascinating. And the book is equally as fascinating. Joe Allen, the author of Dark Eon, that's A-E-O-N, Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity. Joe, where can people get your book?
0: Uh, If you are habituated to the Amazon beast, you can always get it there. I always appreciate ratings and algorithmic boosts, but uh, you can also get it at the old Barnes and Noble stores. You can even get it in store if you request it. If they don't already have it, you can get it directly from the publisher skyhorsepublishing.com. And uh, yeah, I I, I encourage you to uh, pick it up in any way that your conscience will allow. Uh, If you can get it from a physical bookstore, by golly, That is a beautiful experience. So uh, Uh, yeah, isn't it?
1: (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, people. I would encourage you to really get this book. There's so much more to even this conversation, which was pretty lengthy. Joe, Alan, thank you so much. The book is darky. Rose,
0: Rose, thank you.
1: Revelations 13, 15, and it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast should even speak and to cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed.